Hey guys, it's me Kurt and welcome to another episode of Chini Talks with Kurt Tobias. How are you guys? I hope you are having a great Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, so I hope all of you are having a great day, but also a great week, a great month, and it's also a new month. It's August. August just started and Burmans are approaching. It's already September in a few weeks. Time flies so fast. 2021 is almost over. It's so crazy. A lot of things are happening this year, but I hope you guys are staying healthy, staying hydrated. And for this episode, if you guys don't know, I really love classical music. I listen to classical music every day. Schumann. Paganini Chopin Speaking of Chopin, I want to congratulate all the contestants who got qualified to participate in the 18th International Friedrich Chopin Piano Competition, including Martin Wieserich. Shout out to Martin Wieserich. I actually talked to him right after his performance in preliminary round. He is very nice. He is so jolly. And to the organizing team of this year's competition, the Chopin Institute, congratulations to all of you. I don't know what life is gonna be without classical music. That's why I'm so honored to introduce to you guys our guest for this episode. He is one of the most highly acclaimed young pianists today. And he is the winner of RTP Classical Award in 2013, First Prize Rome International Piano Competition in 2011, First Prize London Gateways Piano Competition in 2017, and he was awarded St. John Smith Square Classical Music Award in 2019. Let us welcome Lorenzo Pone. Hi Lorenzo, what's up? How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. <laughs> I hope you're fine too. So Lorenzo, how does it feel to be considered as the artistic heir of a legendary pianist such as Paul Badura Skoda who publicly called you as his spiritual son and who was a student of Fischer, who was a student of Martin Krause, who was a student of Liszt, who was a student of Karl Zerny, and who was a student of Beethoven himself. Well, of course, it feels like I've been very lucky to, to have this meeting in my life. Meeting this person was really life-changing and uh, yeah, he was very generous to me. He said many things. He did a lot for my career. He introduced me to the audience. And I'm sure that all the nice things he said, of course, were genuine, but they, they were also meant to be uh, as a gift, uh, as a sort of injection of self-confidence. So uh, I prefer not to take these things literally, but just to take them as, an, as a demonstration of um, esteem and it's a big gift he wanted to, to give me and it was life-changing because I can tell you this I used to go to his house uh, twice a month uh, we met and we worked for hours and hours and I used to go there and I was playing for him and, and when I when I get out of his house I was playing free so he taught me freedom 
and the joy of making music. The joy. He was a joyful man. He he loved life a lot. Despite his life had been full of sufferances and full of losses as well, regrets, of course, full of happiness at the same time. But he he thought joy and freedom and 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 this is I, I would say this is the biggest the biggest heritage he left me because you know he was the link to to a world to a way of playing the piano that by then when he was still alive had already had already died out had already fade out had already disappeared in a way so he was a link to to a golden past and there was and there was really life changing really and he did a lot for my career as well like what well you i can tell you that sometimes he he would say he's sick and send me to play instead of him so This is why I got the chance to play so young for some very good venues and because it was him actually he would send me to replace him claiming he was sick but sometimes actually most of the times that wasn't true he did it to launch my career wow <laughs> so it's like a white lie he pretended he was sick so that you can play in such huge events <laughs> exactly Exactly. That was that was one of the things he did for me, but on the other side also finding sponsors and mostly teaching me and, and giving me the opportunity to be in touch with a style of piano playing with a a way to intend the piano performance that nowadays is a bit lost. So nowadays everyone wants just to play the notes. Everyone wants to play as fast as possible, but there's much more. So it's totally meaningless to play the piano if you don't transmit anything and this is what he taught me to transmit actually he came quite later in my life so uh, of course i i knew who he was but i would never imagine that i would become his student especially his private student because actually and this is very important there's plenty of people who claim to have been student of paul baduraskoda he taught a lot But there are some people, there are many people who just got three, four lessons or just went to a masterclass or to, a, to several masterclasses. But that doesn't mean, well, that doesn't mean you, you are a student of someone. You are a student of someone if you work with him in the years. And I've been working with him from 2011 until 2019, until two weeks, yeah, until two weeks before, before his death. Yeah, so it's been almost nine years now, and so that means to be a student. And he never asked for money. He was so generous. He never wanted to be paid. Of course, he. There are other people who got lessons, but they paid for them. Actually, I never paid, and I can tell you this once. Of course, I was always bringing money, just to not give for grants that he wouldn't. He wouldn't accept it. And once he was very upset, he said, if you bring money once again, you can forget the entrance of my home. You can forget my door. <laughs> That's what he said. Wow, he is so generous. Oh, okay, yeah. so how did you get interested in piano? It was because of my family, first of all. My mom and dad, they met each other to a concert and their family used to go To concert and they themselves used to listen to lots of classical music at home and we had a piano at home because my my grandpa from my father's side he wanted to be a pianist so bad 
but she couldn't because there was the war in the between and then finally after the war he got married so there was no What time war? for him world war two world war two exactly yeah yeah so uh, afterwards he got married so that it was impossible for him to dedicate to music but he kept being a, a music lover and he had a piano and he introduced me to the piano the first time when i was four. Oh, that's such a young age yeah it's a young age right And so he 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 taught me the rudiments of piano, and then we found a teacher who was uh, Francesco Mariani, who was a, a great Italian teacher. And actually, it's thanks to Francesco Mariani, if then Badura Scoda, a legend, accepted me among his private pupils. So it was wow. my family, it was my grandpa, it was because the music was at home somehow. It was important for my family. If I may ask, who's your favorite composer? Or wait, wait, I will revise the question. If you will be stranded on a deserted island and you only have your piano with you, what musical play would you play and why? <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty difficult to answer. Well, if I have to tell you whose music I would bring with me on a desert island or whose music I would save just in case the world gets destroyed. For sure, I would bring with me Chopin Nocturnes and Debussy Preludes, these two things. I know that, oh my god, I listen to it and I love it. Yeah, I would bring with me these two, these two very works of these two composers because I think uh, that's the Bible of the piano. I mean, uh, those composers, they more than everyone else were able to to play with the soul of the piano, with the resonance. And I think if you, if you have to renounce everything else, you at least should save Chopin Nocturnes and Debussy Preludes. So that, that's what I would bring. Why? Because, because their music is amazing, it's touching, it's the yes, deepest. Yes, I like Chopin. Yeah, I know you do, yeah. I know you do. Yeah. I, I can't live without. Oh. Wait, how do I pronounce the first name of Chopin? Yeah, you can pronounce it either in the French way because he was a French... Um, he was not French, but he, he went to live in France. So you can say Frédéric. Frédéric? In the French way. Ah, Otherwise, Frédéric. you can say... The, yeah, you can say the Polish way, which is Frédéric. Not, not so different, but maybe I'm also mispronouncing Frédéric. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, Lorenzo. Um, in a nutshell, how would a regular person who rarely listen or barely know classical music enjoy listening to classical music? It's just a matter of habit, you know. Uh, classical music it requires more effort than other quality of music, which doesn't have to sound dismissive. I mean, uh, for me, music has no borders, so. All the music is music. Then, of course, you have good music and bad music in all genres. The thing with classical music is that it requires a big emotional involvement. I'm not talking about intellectual involvement. Is that classical music requires a big emotional involvement. So you, in order to appreciate it, you have to be up to look down into your feelings and to somehow let the music project itself onto you and also the other way around. So it's just a matter of how committed you are to explore your feelings and to let you, yourself go to 
strong, real feelings. So classical music is about strong feelings. It's not about the surface. That's, that's, that's a point. So that's the main, main thing. And once you let yourself go, just follow the flow and, and music will, will talk to you. You know what? It's funny, but actually the reason why I fell in love with classical music is because of a Korean drama. It's actually one of my favorite series and the title is 30 but 17 or still 17. So the protagonist basically is a 17-year-old student who studied violin and she's already a pro, but she fell in a coma for 13 years. So every episode, there will be classical music. You can hear classical music in every episode. It's a really good series. That's very inspiring on a side. On the other side, um, I'm afraid that sometimes this sort of image might be also a bit misleading because uh, a good proficiency in classical, in classical music, a good mastery of classical music, whatever instrument you play, doesn't come very early, doesn't come soon, and especially doesn't come easily. It comes, uh, but you have to pay for this with an incredible effort incredible sacrifices so the life of a classical musician is a life of sacrifice As, of course a sacrifice you are committed for you, you, you I, I love this it's, it's a sweet condemnation is a, a sweet uh, yeah i could call it a sweet condemnation because it's what i would want to do even for free even if i wasn't paid because i'm paid to do what i do but um, i would do it the same and it's hard it's a job as as everyone else and success first of all success is not the most important thing and then it doesn't come soon it needs years decades actually so who's your favorite composer Mozart <laughs> oh Mozart yeah why Mozart you know why because his music is about it's about pain people and even, even very important critics, they, they think that Mozart is happy and they think that Mozart is superficial, witty. Actually not. Mozart, Mozart's music is about, it's about pain. It's about pain. It's about the incredible, desperate need he had to be loved. His music cries. He, Mozart's music shouts. And he's shouting, please love me. Please love me. He needed to be loved. He was a man who struggled his whole, whole life to be accepted and to be loved. He, he needed, he was in a desperate need of love. And his music is begging for love. Like, for example, Beethoven is different. Beethoven, Beethoven doesn't beg you for love. Beethoven say, love me. I, I, I order you to love me. And then Liszt or Wagner, for example, they don't ask and they don't uh, oblige. They just try to seduce you very, in a very subtle way. So it's, it's about seduction, also erotically for sure. Ero there's, Sexually? Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of eroticism. And so you can, you can really bring each composer to one of these three different behaviors. So Mozart begs for love, but also Chopin. Also Schubert begs for love. Beethoven orders Liszt, Wagner or Strauss, they, they try to seduce you. But in Mozart it's especially about pain. It's about pain. I recognize myself in that a lot. I am like that. You're like that? You are like Mozart? Well, no, of course, no. I mean, uh, 
I'm not a genius as Mozart was, but I'm someone who um, who needs to be loved, who wants to be loved as Mozart wanted to be. All of us wants to be loved. <laughs> yeah, true. So we are all. True. We are all like Mozart. We are all like Mozart. <laughs> This is why Mozart speaks to all of us. This is why people should listen to classical music because they would find themselves. Yeah, that's it. So my answer is Mozart. <laughs> I like your answer. So Lorenzo, what's your favorite music to play? I would say Johann Sebastian Bach Goldberg Variations. One of the most monumental cycle of variations originally written for harpsichord but they are actually performed on piano and well i'm not a philologist so i don't mind people saying that the piano wasn't not the original instrument or someone claiming that bach never never saw a piano in his life first of all we don't know whether it's true or not and then in the second as a second point uh, i don't care His music just sounds great on the piano. It sounds amazing. You can really, really uh, master the voices and 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 all the the counterpoint and the, the feelings that are this music is made of. And so, yeah, I'm actually working on these Goldberg variations, and at the moment they are my favorite piece. Yeah, I might change my mind in the future, but at the moment they are. Aside from Paul Badura Skoda, where and under whose guidance did you study? Well, my my life as a student is a bit complex. So, first of all, I studied in Italy under the guidance of Francesco Mariani, which I mentioned before. Then uh, I studied in Paris as well. Then I met Badura Skoda in 2011, and I was under his guidance regularly and privately from 2011 to 2019 until two weeks before his death and parallelly at the same time i i finished my studies so i got my my last master in the university mozarteum in salzburg where where i live now at the moment uh, and i also studied for a postgraduate to at the royal college of music in london because i got a scholarship i got a scholarship from prince charles actually So I got a full scholarship, which was covering my studies there, and my, was covering even my my rent and my even my my spare time. So I spent a year in Royal College of Music in London. So basically, Italy, Paris, Vienna with Pablo Durascoda, Salzburg, and London. These were my pivotal pivotal locations as a student. Wow. Wow, they're well-established pianists, and they were your teacher. Wow. Yes, well, my teachers and also teachers of other people. But for sure, with Padura Skoda, we had a very special link in a way. So he, I could say, he adopted me. Almost have his, have, he, he, is, he and his wife were like grandparents for me. So that 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 was really deep. It was a deep relationship we had. Um. Any advice to those people who want to be a good pianist like you, or how to be a good pianist? Okay, how to be a good pianist. So, first of all, work a lot. You need to work and work and work and be up to sacrifice almost everything else. Then, second point, go look for good teachers. Do not choose the school. Do not choose a school because it's just prestigious. 
choose your teacher. Third rule, while choosing your teacher, do not be shy to knock the door of someone important. This is something I tell to all the young people, at least younger than I am. Yeah, because you're still young. We are still young. Yeah, I'm still young. I'm, come on, I'm, I just turned 30. I'm still young. <laughs> and to, those, to all those who are younger than I am, who, who, who come to me and ask, I, I always say, do not be shy to knock the door of a great artist. Because so many people say, oh no, I'm shy. I don't want to disturb. I don't want to bother. He will never accept me. He will never consider me. He'll be upset. He will be mean. No. They won't be mean at you, otherwise that would, that would mean they're not great artists at all. And moreover, they would be happy to open their doors. So please, if you want to, to improve as a pianist, go knock the door of a great pianist. Do not be shy. That's my main tip. And work, 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 work and work and then rework and rework again and again and again and again what's the difference between concert and recital okay concert well there is a difference concert is more generic so concert might be uh, a solo concert a chamber music concert an orchestra concert um, an opera given in a form of concert which means without scenes without scenaries recital is mainly a solo performance and this word was created by Liszt, was Franz Liszt who created this word. So, recital comes from Italian, recitare, ah. which means to play as an actor. Mm. Yeah, recitare means to play as an actor. So, Liszt was the first one who transferred this concept onto solo performance as a musician. So, you're playing as an actor, you're alone on stage. This is why we say recital. Ah. Okay, so how long do you practice a day to prepare for a concert or recital? Up to eight or nine hours a day. I have a very tight schedule. I need to repeat every day the same routine. So I wake up very early in the morning, I have my shower, my breakfast. Um, I watch movies either I read while having breakfast because it helps me to, to keep focused. And you might be impressed to know that I often watch the same movie every day for one month or two months when I'm preparing a concert because to watch the same movie, the same movie every day is like a mantra, it gives me focus. Then at 9.30 I start my work, I stop at 1.30, I have lunch, I take my rest until 4.30 and then I work again from 4.30 to 8.30 slash 9.00. 9.30 sometimes in the evening, yeah, so it's at least 8 hours a day, that's the minimum. At least for me, huh? the, you might ask other pianists, they will tell you different things, but I need this time. And when you stop practicing actually, it doesn't mean you're done, because when I stop practicing, I'm still thinking of that. So sometimes when I'm at home with my family, they, they are upset at me because it looks like I don't care for them or I don't talk to them. I don't consider them, it's not true, it's just that I'm still with my head, I'm still on the score, with my thoughts, I'm still at the piano, I'm still practicing, and it's so addicting. Yeah, piano playing is addicting, there's nothing else you want to do. Can you explain what an intermission in concert is? An intermission in music, actually in the concert life, 
is when the soloist or the orchestra or whoever is playing in the moment takes a rest of 20 to 30 minutes and so the audience is free to relax, stand up, go for coffee, for drinks. So it's a time both for the artist or the artists and the audience to, to take a rest and even to exchange ideas for the audience to comment, to talk about what's going on on the stage. Personally, I hate the intermission. And whenever I, I, I ask, every time I, I play, I ask the, the venue or the society or the organizers to avoid intermission. So I prefer to play a, a shorter recital, one hour, one hour and 10 minutes, one hour and 15 minutes, not more. And to have no intermission because personally the intermission has a very bad influence on my focus. So uh, for me it's important to save the unity of the performance. So I, I usually play shorter without intermission. So you prefer having no intermission so that your attention or focus is consistent? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because if there's an intermission, like, of course, your thoughts and focus might fly away. Yeah, naturally. Or whereas some people, some people need, for example, there are pianists who actually play much better after the intermission. There are pianists who, who give the best of themselves after the intermission. Being a pianist or being a musician in general take years of sacrifice, hours and hours of long practice and study to be good. But can a young musician like you manage to live today? Well, I, my answer is yes, because I was lucky enough to manage. So everything is hard, you know, even becoming a lawyer is hard, even becoming an engineer is hard. And the chance to make your life out of these jobs is entirely up to you. So I would say do not listen to those who say oh musicians cannot make their life, or oh, you'll never make it, or oh, it's going to be impossible, times are changed, um, the era is changed, the taste has changed. No, it's entirely up to you. It's up to you to build yourself, it's up to you to uh, to never think that you are at the end of what you can do. You can always do more, you can always move to somewhere else. And actually, the law is to move. Movement is so important. I, I studied at Mozart Tain, which is one of the most incredible schools of music in the world. But still, arriving to Mozart Tain is not the end. Many people think they made it into Mozart Tain or Joliet School or Yale University or Paris Conservatory or Royal College of Music and they think, okay, I'm done. That's not true. That's a big trap. You're not done. You're never done. If you keep this in your mind and you make it, it's up to you. It's up to us. You can work hard and you can make some people noticing how hard you're working. You can get sponsors. You can go to competition and win. You can just simply expose yourself and your artistry. You can be someone who offers something different from the others. Like that was a bit my case. Uh, I think I got my career because um, I could offer something that mainly uh, it became a rare item today. So a very human way of playing that of course comes from Badura Skoda. Um, and this is rare. So you, you find a way, you, you try to offer something that others don't. You try to find sponsors, you try to place yourself into competitions. Actually the best is to try everything of this. Which I personally did, but I would never stop. 
the only low is, is the movement. The movement is low. Are there moments in your life that you feel discouraged to continue what you do? Of course, there were moments like that. For example, the, the pandemics. The pandemic was, was a moment like that. I, all my concerts were cancelled. Imagine that in 2020, only between April and November, I lost 23 concerts, not to mention the money. Only between April and November. I was discouraged, but finally I said, okay, I'll take this time to work on new repertoire. I will start a job as a journalist. I will write about music. I will record uh, a CD, which I did with a violinist. We recorded a CD, which finally had an impressive success. We didn't expect that. So yes, of course, I get discouraged, but at some point, I always think I'm lucky and that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So just keep going. And in fact, now in 2021, the things are going far better. I came back on stage and just feel amazing. You're also a composer, right? Do you feel more of a pianist or a composer? Well, I work more as a pianist and piano requires more than composition. Piano requires a daily, a daily dedication. You have to be in contact every day with the keyboard. But that doesn't mean that I feel less of a composer, no. Uh, actually, I cannot choose between the two halves of myself. The two things for me are deeply intertwined, deeply interconnected, so it's both, it's both, it's nothing that, I couldn't say if I'm more of a pianist or a composer. I spend more time as a pianist, but I'm both in the same way. Of all your composition, which composition can you say you are attached to? There are two who people can find on YouTube, just uh, YouTube being my name. One is called uh, Four Japanese Songs. It's a set of short Japanese poems in, in Italian translation that I set in music and I'm, I really care for that work. It's a very simple and very minimalistic, minimalist work. And then there's another set of three pieces called Three Nocturnes for Solo Clarinet. And I'm also very, very affectionate to that, to that work, yes. It's, it's a work about um, folk music. I try to use some Asian music and to, to operate a contamination, a mix of different cultures. To everyone in my age, is it still possible for us to become good musicians? Well, there were people in the history who came to the piano very late. I'm thinking of um, Ignaz Paderewski, who started to study at the age of 25, and then he became absolutely legendary. And he never stopped when someone else, as this teacher, Leszczytski, told him, uh, no, there's no way you can, you can make it as a pianist. He, he didn't care. He kept going. He carried on and he became a legend. So. Nothing is impossible if you are committed to it. And for sure, even if, of course, no one, not everyone can become a professional pianist, but you can become an excellent amateur. And believe me, to say amateur is not dismissive as we might think, because in the past, 
Amateurs were fine musicians, and still nowadays there are places like Austria or Germany where you can find amateur pianists who are actually professionals. And most of over, we need amateurs, we need people who enjoy playing the piano or other instruments because they are audience. The amateurs are our best audience. So, yes, my answer is yes, you can. Nothing is impossible. Okay, Lorenzo, thank you for being with us. Um, just for a final question before I end this episode, if there will be a chance for you to go back to the younger version of yourself, would you still choose to become a pianist again? Definitely, yes. That's the, that's the only decision I'm really sure about. So, shall I go back in time to the younger version of myself? As you say, yes, I would definitely choose again to be a pianist. Uh, because everyone should do of his life or her life what he or she wants to do. And it's too precious, life is too precious to do what someone else is expecting from you. There's only one person in the world you don't have to disappoint, and that's yourself. And that's really what I believe in. So yes, definitely. And I wish everyone else would do the same. Thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me. It's a pleasure. No, thank you. It was my pleasure, really. It's, it's a big honor. It's an honor for me as well. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.